we got our old buddy uh, John Fraley. Now, everybody's our old buddy, I guess. But, John, good morning. Hi, Captain. How you doing? We're doing pretty good, John. Uh, John, you got Heroes of the Bob Marshall Wilderness. We're going to be chatting with you about that book. We've been giving it away. It just came out. It's uh, from Far Country Press in Helena. And this is what Bob Long said about John Fraley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Fraley is a rare breed, a scientific student of the natural world, an author who takes in human stories. The living story of the Bob Marshall wilderness is still unfolding and could not be in better hands. Three cheers for heroes of the Bob. And uh, Bob Long, who's he? He's the founding editor of Backcountry Journal. So, yeah. Um, it's a it's a fascinating book if you're really into the wilderness type uh, information. I mean, you took a year and a half to do this book, uh, John, and I just can't imagine you going and talking to all these folks that are members of the families that uh, from for guys that were back there in 1920s and 30s. I mean that that uh, how'd you track all these people down? <laughs> well, I've spent about a half century in the Bob myself, so I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the sites and stories. And I just, especially with, uh, you know, the first part of the book there with uh, uh, Joe Murphy out of Avando, he was a big packer before, really, before anybody knew how to do that. He would work out of Avando, and he took thousands of people in over the years. He started in 1919. The Murphy family, out of, they're in Missoula now, and some still in Avando. They helped me tremendously with the old photos and the notes and there's all kinds of uh, articles and things that have been written about him, so I pulled that all together into that into that big chapter on uh, on Joe Murphy. Yeah, Joe is. I tell you what, I read uh, quite a bit about Joe in your book. There, he's he he was a heck of a guy. I mean, he'd take all these guys from the back east going back there, and and some of the adventures that he had. He impressed a lot of people from the east. Downrigger. Yeah, John, this is Downrigger Dale. Um, last hour during my trivia question, we we uh, talked about Bob Marshall, who, of course, is the the uh, the, the wilderness area is named after him, uh, and he's kind of an interesting character in that, you know, here's an academic Harvard education, John Hopkins uh, University education. Uh, wh- how did he end up being that kind of an academic? End up out in the Bob and, and creating what is now the Bob Marshall Wilderness? Yeah, great question. Well, he, he was a forester, too, and he worked for the Intermountain um, Experiment Station in Missoula mm-hmm. uh, in between his master's and, and doctorate, and he just loved the wilderness. He, the wilderness that we have, a lot of it we can thank Bob Marshall because he was, he was just very energetic. He would walk up to 40 miles in a day, um, and he just would evan- try to evangelize everybody to love the wilderness like he did. Uh, it, for example, that in the Bob Marshall, when he was going through the Bob Marshall, he spent five days and he covered 182 miles. I have a copy of his journals and all the all the different things he wrote down, the people he met. Uh, he walked right through George. Uh, he walked right through Joe Murphy's camp. They probably met and and then he spent a lot of time with different rangers that are also in the book and in my previous book. But he was just a uh, a force to be reckoned with. And and as as you probably read, you know he. He wrote the two two major papers that sort of outlined what a wilderness area was, and they're still used today and actually were used to uh, write the Wilderness Act of 1964. But he just loved to hike, and he loved to try to get everybody to agree with him that wilderness was a great use. But he, he died at a very early age. What what happened? Oh, yeah. 
Well, there's a lot of speculation about it. He, he was born in 1901. He died in 1939 on a train between New York and Washington, D.C. Yeah, 38. All, all this exploration. Go ahead, what? 38 years old, right? 38 years old. And think about when he wrote those two landmark papers, Wilderness as a Minority Right and The Problem with the Wilderness. He was only 28 or 29 when he wrote those. So he, he was the kind of a guy that lived a huge amount of life before he was even 30 years old. But then he went on to uh, explore the Brooks Range in Alaska, and I would encourage everybody to read his book, The Alaska Wilderness. It's really fascinating. He was just uh, way ahead of his time. He was like dropping a 70s hippie into, a, into the 1920s, uh, Bob Marshall, <laughs> kind of utilitarian. And so he would go around to the different cabins as he went, as he dashed through the Bob, and it, that e- the evenings he would preach to everybody, uh, and they, they, they thought he was, quote, odd or different, that kind of thing, so looking at what the old time Packers did. But, yeah, he was a very interesting guy. He also named the gates of the Arctic um, National Park and, and Reserve, too. But, it, but he died on a train. Yeah, no one knows really for sure. I've read everything there is huh. to read about it. His, his biography is The Wilderness Original, The Life of Bob Marshall, and his, his brother doesn't think he had a congenital heart decision, uh, um, condition. But that's what most people speculate, you know. And then a lot of people say, "Well, he did all these forty-mile uh, hikes, and and it probably just killed him." And I don't think so. If you look at how marathon people train, you know. Yeah. Right. Who knows? Who knows why he died so young? All right, John. Uh, here, was, did he come from a wealthy family? Because he, he has a financial trust that funded the society in the efforts to pass the Wilderness Acts of nineteen sixty-four. At thirty-eight, where did he make his money? He's been out in the bob doing all this stuff. I know he had a, a really good education, but yep. do you have any idea where his money came from? Yeah, his father was a very prominent uh, lawyer in um, New York City oh. in, the, oh. in the Jewish faith, and he was, he was very wealthy, and Bob got a big chunk of that trust and then passed it on to keep the Wilderness Society alive and, and uh, actually social causes, too. But, yeah, he had a lot of money, but he never owned an apartment, never owned a car. Um, wow. In fact... Yeah, he was just a crazy guy, but one of the main reasons we have wilderness is because of Bob. Well, you get along with him well, Rigger. We're yeah. talking to John Fraley, who is the author of <laughs> Heroes of the Bob Marshall Wilderness. John, can you expand on that moose story for us? You did a good job uh, telling her what that old number nine phone wire and the Bob is still strung around, and that moose got itself tangled up there. It was near Black Bear Cabin, and it was right along the edge of the river, and Bill was able to get down there after a lot of tense uh, work. Yeah. <laughs> and lasso that moose antler and snug it against the root wad, and then they were able to cut the uh, wire and let the moose go. And the funny thing to follow up on that, about a week later, Bill was all the way back down to the Meadow Creek trailhead and getting ready to pack to go back into Black Bear, and his wife was helping him unload the mules, and she said, I don't believe it, there's a moose. And then she said, that's your moose, because the wire was still hanging off its antler. So it somehow walked all the way down uh, the trail or – Cross country to the trailhead and hung around, and when Bill came back, it was I guess there to thank him. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, one to thank him or say, uh, "Hey, could you just get a little more wire right out of there?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Bill, like you said, was quite a cowboy. He actually rodeoed for uh, Western Montana College at Dillon, and it really served him well. But there's a lot of terrific stories in there about uh, horse wrecks, mule wrecks, and his philosophies about horses versus mule. He, he's just a great guy. John, I ask you about Pat McVeigh's story in the book. Um, a fantastic two-week pack trip. You want to expand on that a little bit in the Bob? Yeah, something about a, a, a fish-eating mule deer. Yeah. What, now, what was that? Well, the, the neat thing about this story is Pat um, 
don't know. He's he's a member of the Montana Outdoor Hall of Fame, and he was a hunter education instructor for 65 years. So I worked with him a lot for a long time. He just passed away six months ago at age 100. Wow! And his his uh, his chapter is called um, Pat McVeigh's Bob Marshall Secret. Pat McVeigh's secret to a long life was one shot of whiskey per day and two long summer trips in the Bob per year. <laughs> there it is. There you go. <laughs> and he. And you know what? On this pack trip that's outlined in the book where all these things happen, he and one other person of the five, uh, Milet um, Kenyon, both lived to be over 100. So I think he must have something going there. But anyway, just to make it, to make it quick, so they, they went across the Chinese Wall on Larch Hill Pass, which can be a real lightning hole, and it was. They had sparks. Pat said there were sparks going back and forth between the ears of his horse, Rowdy. Now, I've never Holy heard that smokes. before. Oh, <laughs> and wow. he, they came down in the, into, the, into the White River, and... Pat caught about a dozen cutthroat and put him clean and put him in a pan. And here's what he said next. We were sitting there having a tiddly, and we looked out and saw this old dull mule deer walk into camp, said Pat. The campers enjoyed watching the beautiful animal calmly walk around camp, but they weren't too happy about what the deer did next. She wandered around a little bit, walked over and looked at the packs, and then she came back to the dish pan where the fish were. I couldn't believe it. I said, hey, Gene, she's eating our fish. <laughs> so five of us watched her eat every damn one of those cutthroats in the pan. And really? Pat said the, yeah, Pat said the piscivorous mule deer would eat a trout, look over at them, and then eat another one. We were kind of stunned, said Pat. We just sat there and thought about it for a while, but I've never seen anything like it before or since. <laughs> and the neat thing about it is, and in, in the purpose of preserving these stories, is the last part of the chapter when Pat's talking, he says, Gosh, I wish I could do it all again. It's all so real in there. Everything that happens is unplanned. Nothing in this world is better for the spirit. I never wrote anything down. I just kept it in my heart. Mm. So in this book, we're able to write it down and document it, so it never goes away. Uh, so many great stories of so many hearty <laughs> souls like that that, uh, that that went through the Bob Marshall. You know, I want to... Uh go back to Joe Murphy, who is uh, out of Ovando. Does he still have his homestead uh, in Ovando? They still have property in Ovando. Actually, Ted Murphy, his grandson, was was actually keeping the outfitting business going, but unfortunately, before the book could be published, about uh, eight months ago or so, he, he passed away from a heart attack. So he... he uh, uh, so there there are some... There is still some, some property in Ovando, and I'm not sure what they're going to do at this point. One other thing to remember, too, in this book, there's a, a big chapter on Smoke Elzer, who pretty much everybody has heard of, oh, yeah. probably. He's the most famous outfitter in the Bob, and he's got a lot of great stories also, so we don't want to forget him. You know, uh, uh, Joe, I, can, I just can't imagine being an outfitter back in the 20s yeah. uh, back there, but he, he'd get these guys from back east, and one of the things in the book, is uh, the first part of the book, one of the first chapters, uh, he, was, he had a couple of guests, uh, Joe and P.D., and they were uh, they were fishing, but they got tired of they, their feet got tired of being wading in the creeks and stuff. So uh, I can't remember which one which one um, actually used their horse to go out. Thought that was a better idea to use their horse to go out there and fly fish. That's right, and they they invited trout wrangling. They invented trout wrangling. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they out there a lot of fish on horseback yeah. fly fishing. Well, yep, and they'd catch a fish, and the other guy would ride out and net it and, and yeah. ride back in the shore. And then they, they were smoking fish. They smoked a bunch of fish in there. They're from, they were these uh, two big industrial icons from Pennsylvania. He, he would bring all these people in, including trail riders of the wilderness, like 35 people, 
about half men, half women, and and to introduce them to the Bob all through the Bob, and then they would create supporters of the wilderness. And there's a great picture in there of that one group of 35 people. He actually had a lodge in the wilderness that he had a special permit for. And you can see there's actors, actresses, all kinds of important people that went in uh, with him. You know, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because what he was, what you wrote in your book was that they'd come, they'd be all uh, prim and proper from the east, and then he'd get them out there, and there was a, like a breaking in point, wasn't there, for for Joe with all these people? I mean, and he would play kind of he he play some jokes on him a little bit, uh, you know, practical <laughs> jokes, nothing that would. Yep. Do you have any of those on top of your head that you can relate to the folks out there, John? Well, he he did a thing called chapping where people were kind of bent over. Uh, upside down, and they'd um, spank them with chaps. And then they had a little, they had this life-size, and this is a little politically incorrect, but they had a life-size doll that was called White River Sue. And she would end up, you know, doing different kinds of things. Um, uh. <laughs> but I, I kept it really, uh, you yeah. know, G-rated in the book. But anyway, it's, uh, yeah, he was a he was a fun-loving guy, that's for sure. And you you got to be to spend as much time as he did over so many, you know, half a century in the bob. You got to be you got to take things the way they come and and just relax and and love and enjoy the stories. I, I want to ask you a question, John. George Ostrom, you mentioned him in your notes that you sent me. Uh smoke jumping in the wilderness with George Ostrom. Is that the same George Ostrom that was a news guy up in Kalispell? That is the same George Ostrom that's in the Montana Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, and he was he uh, he had quite a little career as a smoke jumper. He's a very intrepid guy. Anyway, he's now ninety two or ninety three, and has some health issues, but he's he's doing okay. And yeah, he had a couple of pretty darn exciting jumps into the bob, and that's all outlined in there. You mentioned the Grizzly Riders, which is amazing because that uh, you know Smoke Elzer was the one that. That teamed up with the president of the University of Montana to start that whole thing, and there's some great stories in there. That's neat that your dad was part of that. Yeah, yeah, he he had uh, quite a time. Uh, got thrown off a. Well, his horse went lame, so he decided to try to ride out on a mule. Got thrown from the mule, and and was was actually uh, he told everybody else to go on ahead because he's going to try to ride this mule out. And he was actually lost in the bob uh, with a bad head wound for about two days. <laughs> so, oh no! Oh yeah. my God! <laughs> yeah, they had some some wild adventures there, but. Uh, uh, just amazing some of the things that uh, people would do to to get up there and and see this wonderful place okay john they were raising they were raising money for wilderness preservation that was pretty neat yeah yeah, yeah raised a lot of money for that so john yep. um where can they get the book where where's the, where can they buy this book for a christmas present or for themselves well it should be carried in most bookstores okay. it's uh, right. all over our part of montana um it's also and available can, on Amazon.com, too. Yep, you get it on Amazon, or you can go to Far Country Press. Uh, they have an 800 number, and you can order them there. So it's funny you mentioned about the audiobook because my previous book with Far Country was called Rangers, Trappers, and Trailblazers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it is now on audiobook, and I'm hoping this one will be, too. Okay, John, uh, we want want you to hold on. We're going to come right back. Thanks once again for joining us here, and give us an idea of where they can get that book again, uh, the Far Country Press. If you just uh, type into any search engine, Far Country Press, uh, yeah. Hell in Montana, they'll get that 800 number, and it's it's around all the stores in uh, western Montana. I'm not sure um, as far as statewide is concerned, but Amazon, obviously, you can get it there. 
Yeah, definitely a great read and a perfect Christmas present for anyone that's a big fan of the wilderness in Montana. Who isn't a big fan of the wilderness downrigger? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, John, uh, have yourself a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, thank you for uh, being a part of the Montana Outdoor Radio Show this morning. You bet, Captain. All right, there you go. John John. Braley, our old buddy, the author of the uh, Heroes of the Bob Marshall Wilderness. Have yourself a good week, everybody. We'll see you next Saturday morning.